Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Friday, June 25th. We begin with a conversation about the second horrific discovery of unmarked graves at a former residential school site, this time in Saskatchewan. We speak with Paul Custer, Calgary writer, former broadcaster, and Indigenous advocate. We also hear Paul's thoughts on how non-Indigenous Canadians can be advocates to help those suffering at this time. Next, it's our weekly chat with Mayor Nahed Nenshi. We asked the mayor for the latest details on the ARENA project, which is now being reworked behind the scenes due to budgetary concerns ahead of the construction. Every year, the Calgary Stampede generates millions of dollars in the economy, but what will the 2021 event do for local businesses? We speak with the chief economist at Alberta Central. And finally, a new poll shows Albertans have a lot of financial stress right now. We get details on the survey from Marie Kozlowski, licensed insolvency trustee and vice president of BDO. Marie also shares with us some of the useful resources that are available in this province for those who might currently be struggling. The discovery of hundreds of children's bodies at residential school sites in BC and Saskatchewan have been heart-wrenching for all Canadians, but particularly for the Indigenous community. So what can we do as friends and advocates? Well, we've reached out to our pal Paul Custer, former broadcaster, Indigenous advocate, comedian, for some guidance, and he joins us this morning. Hi, Paul. Hi, how are you? Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, The news yesterday confirming 751 unmarked graves. You sent me a message on Facebook. You said you've just been gutted by this. And we want to know what we can do, non-Indigenous folks, to try and support you and and all of our Indigenous friends across the country. Is there anything we can do? Yeah, uh, be friendly. Uh, That's first and foremost. So if you do see an Indigenous person uh, in the city, uh, it's quite all right to just walk up and say, hello, how are you? Uh, ask them how their family is. That's a big thing in Indigenous culture. Um, it's, it's a beautiful way to greet a person because that's showing you're, at, you're actually interested in them as a human being. And uh, so whenever I see uh, an Indigenous person that I don't know, um, I'll say, hey, how's your family doing? And that they appreciate that so much. If you're a smoker, uh, give them some tobacco, give them some cigarettes. Uh, and that's uh, because tobacco in indigenous culture is huge because they use it in ceremonies all the time. And uh, I, I know it's not the healthiest thing, but there's a lot of indigenous people who do smoke. So they do appreciate that. Go to a powwow this summer if things are opened up. Uh, go out to Siksika. Go out to the, they call them the Indian Days out at Sutina. Uh, and that's sometime in July. I think it's near the end of July, but um, and they have the powwow, they have the rodeo. I don't know how that's going to work this year because uh, I don't, I'm not sh- exactly sure what the restrictions are. Uh, but go out to one of the local reserves when they're having an event. They have websites. Go out to them. Uh, take out uh, a, pack of, a pack of cigarettes. Uh, give them to people. Give them to people. And, uh, and just uh, start engaging with them. Uh, chat with them. Uh, ask them about, uh, about their history. And that, I think that's the best way to start. It's funny, yeah, you're saying, you know, approach and, and talk to people. You Be inclusive when you're having these conversations and walking by people. And it's interesting, Paul, because time and time again, we always say, uh, you know, you never know what somebody's going through. Mm-hmm. Well, in the case of Canada's Indigenous peoples, I, I think we, we kind of have a better idea right now. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, for a non-Indigenous person to approach an Indigenous person in a friendly way, mm-hmm. that does that does heaps to help them heal because chances are 
that person and i'm and and i guess in some cases i'm talking about the the homeless uh the homeless indigenous people that you see in the downtown area mm-hmm. um i see them all the time chances are they probably uh, those those people you see they went through residential schools and for sure members of their family had gone through them uh so for you to just uh to engage with them with a smile and a handshake i know we can't be shaking hands quite yet <laughs> even a even a fist bump um that says a lot and they really do appreciate that and unfortunately yeah i do smoke so what i do is uh whenever i see them uh on the street i always give them a cigarette and they're so thankful and then i always ask them hey how are you doing how's your family doing and that's the best way to approach them, I think. Love that. Thank you, Paul. Hey, can you hang on for a couple of minutes? We just have to do a couple of commercials. Love to chat with you a little bit more. Paul Custer, Calgary writer, comedian, former broadcaster and Indigenous advocate. And Paul, I want to give you a tip of the hat because you have been an open book with your time, sharing your personal story and your emotions when we spoke with you a couple of weeks ago. I want to ask you where you're at right now, uh, where your headspace is at, uh, where your emotions are after hearing that horrific story of the the story and the tragedy continues. The news that we heard out of Saskatchewan yesterday. Mm, uh, well, uh, I got to tell you, it was you know I just did uh, a comedy show out at Grow Calgary uh, on Monday uh, for National Indigenous Peoples Day, and uh, one of the guys I was working with, I brought down from uh, Red Deer. His name is Robert Crane, very funny young man. Uh, he's uh, Ojibwe, I believe. Uh, and lives in Red Deer. So uh, we got to, that's the first time we ever worked together, the first time I met him. Uh, so we, we're now friends, and uh, he posted uh, that story uh, about Saskatchewan and Kalasis First Nation. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was the first one to tell me, he goes, Paul, check this out. He goes, they found hundreds. And uh, uh, yeah, I read the story, and I was gutted. Uh, I was I was devastated because uh, I knew we all knew this was coming. If they found 215 in Kamloops, well, guaranteed they're going to find much more uh, across this country. But it was shocking for me just at the sheer number 751. Mm-hmm. You know, we built uh, we what we did at Grow Calgary for the show. We uh, and Sue and Andy, I think you guys saw it on my Facebook post. Um, the the stakes with the ribbons. Mm-hmm. We yeah. we put two two rows of those on the roadway leading to the event site. And that took hours and hours. It was, it was actually a lot of work to just put those 215 up. So a little potter with a stake with a red ribbon uh, to, to represent each little poor little victim. And that took forever. And it lined up the entire roadway. Now, that's only 215. Imagine doing that. 751 yeah. times it's, it's heart-wrenching paul and, 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 and so today yeah uh yesterday man i was uh it was not a good day for me it was a horrible day in fact and uh i was chatting to so many people uh social media wise and uh just uh it, it was heart-wrenching it was a tough day but i can just imagine what it's like for the people from colossus if i'm feeling like that and i'm cree and i live here in calgary imagine how they feel um, that that's uh, it's just a horrible, horrible piece of Canadian history, and it's time we wake up and acknowledge it. And it's time the uh, the FN Catholic Church, um, the Pope has to do something. He just can't sit back and uh, and, and just say these 
these spare words that he's yep. that he's chosen, he's got to come to Canada, and I think he's got to apologize on behalf of the Catholic Church and the other churches as well. It just wasn't the Catholics; it was uh, the Protest- Protestants as well. And we know what the government's role was uh, because they worked hand in hand. So it, it yep. uh, today, thankfully, you know what? Today, thankfully, I feel better than I did yesterday. I'm actually outside right now, enjoying this beautiful, beautiful morning, well, and that's helping. That's helping the to clear my my mind and my spirit. We appreciate you joining us. I know we'll be talking uh, further down the road. Thank you so much for your time, Paul. Thank you so much for having me. I I, got to tell you guys, just before we go, um, I want to thank you specifically, guys, uh, Sue and Andy, for always being there. You guys are huge advocates, and I want to thank you for your work as non-Indigenous people in mainstream media. You guys are making a difference. So I want to thank you. Thank you. We're here for you, my friend. Uh, That is Paul Custer, Calgary writer, comedian, former broadcaster, and advocate. Mornings with Sue and Andy. And uh, yes, indeed, it is a busy time in City Hall as the temperatures heat up. Things aren't exactly cooling off at City Hall. They're keeping busy, and that includes Mayor Nahed Nenshi. We have the chance to speak with the mayor each and every Friday, and today is no different. Good morning to you, Mr. Mayor. Good morning, friends. We are just days away from Canada today. We'll get to that in a second and in more of what we might be able to expect here in the city. But we want to focus on out the gate, the arena deal, the reworking or rejigging. Uh, what can you tell us about the project and where we're at at the process at this point? Sadly, I can't really give you any details because we're in the midst of um, some pretty significant negotiations. I think it's clear that given the general cost inflation uh, that we have seen on big projects like this, that there was a budgetary problem. And rather than let this thing go over budget, we made a decision a couple months ago to just stop, take a look at what was happening, see where we could keep this thing on track and make sure that the number one principle that I always talk about, which is public money has to have public benefit, uh, is met. And so I'm feeling pretty good about it. I feel like uh, a lot of the big issues have been dealt with. Uh, Council made a couple of sort of gestures of things they were willing to look at uh, earlier this week. And I expect that we'll have a deal ready for the public and ready for a public debate uh, at Council, probably as early as our next Council meeting, which is a week from Monday. Okay, that's good news. All right, then. So it's, it's still alive and kicking. That's for sure good. Uh, let's... Alive and kicking, but a lot of, you know, a lot of being super careful. So, uh, and I think that that's what citizens expect us to do. With a lot of money at stake? Absolutely, for sure. Okay, let's uh, switch gears a little bit and talk uh, further about Canada Day celebrations. When we spoke with you last week, Mayor, you said, you know, that we can still recognize Canada Day and also recognize what is happening uh, to and with our Indigenous communities across the country. Are you rethinking that at all now with the discovery of even more bodies found at the residential school site in Saskatchewan? Well, you know, I certainly still feel like uh, we are capable of holding both thoughts in our head at the same time. Uh, That said, certainly since yesterday, there have been a lot of calls for us to rethink it. And I just want to be clear about a couple of things. So number one is there's three things going on for Canada Day right now. The first is we have these at-home kits that you can pick up at any branch of the Calgary Public Library. But I understand they're going fast. Um, there are fun things in there like beach ball, sidewalk chalk, and bubbles. But there's also a lot of educational material, including a lot of Indigenous material. We will be broadcasting 17 hours of Canada Day uh, content sorry, on a different radio station um, over on CJSW. And that is really focused... A lot of it is focused on Indigenous artists and on Indigenous material because we really want to take this moment 
to think about Canada's history, and particularly this year, our Indigenous history. Now, the question that we have is the question of fireworks. And there really is a debate about this, right? Some folks say on the one hand, <clears throat> excuse me, that, uh, you know, you wouldn't have fireworks in a period of mourning uh, when uh, people are, are thinking about all that we've lost. Others are saying, you know, those fireworks are not only a part of the tradition of Canada Day, but also can serve as a symbol for all of us of turning the page and moving forward. So it's, a, it's, it's an open question. It's a debate. You know, should we postpone the fireworks as a sense of respect? for people who are really hurt right now? Or should we retool them in a way that they really acknowledge what we're doing? And so, you know, it's a question that will be open over the next few days. And I'm talking to some knowledge keepers, some elders, um, some Indigenous leaders, but also just listening kind of to the sense of the public on this one. All right, we're going to have to leave it there for time, but I want to, on behalf of Sue and myself and everybody here at 770 CHQR, congratulate you on your award, the YW Calgary presenting you with the inaugural Beacon Award. Good for you. It's in recognition for your devotion to the community, building and creative problem solving. Uh, yeah, it made me cry when they did oh. that and surprised me yesterday, but it was very sweet. Uh, it's, it's good, and uh, obviously you do uh, so much for the community. Mm-hmm. It was uh, certainly deserved Thank you so much, and, and have a great weekend, and stay cool. Mr. Thank Mayor. you. Great weekend, everyone. Stay safe and stay cool. Well, there is a lot more to the Calgary Stampede than just the event itself. Local businesses are eagerly awaiting the return of Stampede this year and the anticipated revenue that it will generate. To discuss, we're joined this morning by Charles St. Arnaud, Chief Economist at Alberta Central. Good morning, Charles. Thanks for being with us. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So a financial impact of Stampede, do we know what the spinoff is, you know, in general in a good normal year in terms of money generated? Yeah, on a good normal year, uh, it is estimated that it, it brings to, to the local economy about $500 million. So it's not, it's not a small event. Mm. And, you know, Charles, I think that when we think about, you know, this spinoff, it's typically maybe restaurants, hotels and bars. Is it deeper than that? Well, obviously those are the main ones, but we, we can also expect there will be some um, more uh, retail shopping. Mm-hmm. We can also imagine all those tourists from out of out of province going and buying cowboy hats and cowboy boots. So there is that extra spending that comes with it in other areas, and and it, it impacts Calgary, but also impacts broadly uh, the uh, southern Alberta because many of those uh, tourists continue and, and visit the rest of the province at the same time. Sure. Is there a trickle down from the job creation at Stampede and, and you know, not just the, the some of the part-timers that'll be there, but, you know, beyond that, what what kind of the job world that grows? Well, it, again, it's, it, it's an estimate. It's about um, 10 to 20,000 jobs that are, uh, that are impacted by uh, Stampede. But again, that it's more because of Stampede and all the, uh, revenues that generate from many businesses that allows those businesses to keep those employees throughout the year. So it's uh, it's not necessarily just because of Stampede, but it's that push in the right direction in terms of revenue that allow them to uh, to keep. Uh, their employment levels quite high. Mm-hmm. Enter 2021, and I know, Charles, what you're talking about and the stats and facts and figures have been compiled, I'm sure, over years of previous Stampedes. Can we have any idea of what sort of an impact the pandemic will have with what we're hearing the stampede will look like with reduced capacity and some of the attractions that we're not going to be seeing? Yeah, well, there's two certainty. One is stampede this year will be better than last year. <laughs> <laughs> <How is> that? <laughs> that's a good point. That's not a, that's not a hard one. 
the second one is that we know it's a it will be a more subdued event. So yes, it won't be the same uh, revenue generating event as we've had in previous year. But in for a sector, when we talk just especially about the accommodation and food services sector that has been deeply affected by the pandemic, it is a positive. It's a step in the right direction where. Hopefully for them, they'll see better activity coming in a, with uh, with the stampede. And to, just to give um, an idea, there's about twenty to twenty five thousand less job in that sector since the start of the pandemic. I mean, so there are a lot of people there that will need to come back to work. Yeah. I mean, any good news is good news, as you're alluding to, right? It's got to be better than last year for sure. So should we anticipate then that this this will bring good news to Alberta in terms of, you know, we were experiencing a rough go before the pandemic hit. Is this sort of, you know, a kickoff to to hopefully what's to come down the road? Well, I think in some ways we can be optimistic for the next year, even two years in Alberta. So obviously there's the... the stampede is kind of the, the kickoff of, oh, we are finally reop- reopening the economy. Um, hopefully, stampede will generate a bit more uh, confidence on the, on the consumer side that, okay, it's, I can now be a bit more, uh, feel safer to go socially, mingle with people, go to restaurants, bars, uh, travel around the province a bit more, hopefully getting also out-of-province uh, tourists. But there's also other factors that are really uh, um, impacting our provinces. Oil prices is reaching new highs. We have also a very strong uh, uh, grain price. So those will also be some good tailwind on our economy going uh, into the next year. Yeah, you, you, you touched on something there when you said uh, provincial travel, but then outside the province. So, yeah, I'm wondering from the optics standpoint, how important is it and, and what sort of a difference when we hear that things like the CNE and the PNE and a lot of the major festivals across, across the country have been shelved for this year uh, from outside of our province to say, you know, with Stampede, that the not just Calgary, but we are open for business. The importance of that, that uh, could have a draw? Hopefully, it will draw some people to some uh, some people to come to come to to Alberta. The issue here is that it's well documented that what we need is actually the international tourists, oh. because they spend two to three times more than local tourists. So those are the big spenders that we need, but they're, unfortunately, they might not. They probably won't be uh, here this year. I guess we look forward to that in 2022 and we just uh, take what benefits we can get from this year. Thank you so much for your time this morning, Charles. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. That is Charles St. Arnaud, Chief Economist at Alberta Central. You can go to albertacentral.com for more details. And, you know, we've heard more and more about, like, you know, uh, the, the questions of what off-site of Stampede events are going to look like this year. And it, it, to me, that's a huge part. It, it's interesting because it, when you're a kid and you grew up in Calgary, and I've, uh, my claim to fame is I've been to every Stampede since 1978. Wow. I've not missed one. That's impressive. Well, I missed last year's. Do you remember them all? But we all missed last year's. Yeah, I remember, remember them all. <laughs> but as a kid, Stampede meant Stampede Park. As an adult, to me, Stampede meant watching those local businesses roll out those hay bales and put them in front of those. And the big tents. and yeah. Big tents. And not even some of the big tents, some of the smaller restaurants that would oh, create sure. a stampede patio to give you a little piece of stampede. Mm-hmm. And that's where I would, you know, when I'd be there with uh, with friends or family or coworkers, hey, after after the shift, let's get together and have a, a stampede beer and a, a beef on a bun or something, where you're, you're shoulder to shoulder with people who, for example, are staying at the hotel across the street. 
And what I think is really cool is uh, was something that Charles alluded to there, the international travelers who they see that it's our festival is all four corners of the city. So I would love to see that come back. Um, and, uh, you know, I guess it's on the individual business owners as we've moved the chains as of next uh, Thursday, the first. And, yeah, you might mm-hmm. have to wear a mask for the first four or five days, uh, but then Stampede not kicking off till the ninth. Boy, I'm, I'm interested to see, and uh, these businesses could use a shot in the arm beyond Stampede Park and the gates. And curious as to, you know, is your business, is it, are you celebrating Stampede this year? Are you going to have any kind of a party, or are you just kind of holding off? Because we know some of the big sponsors at Stampede yeah. have pulled back, and we'll talk about that later on this morning. Some of the big company names are not going to be on park this oh, year. Yeah. So, so is your business, is your company deciding the same thing, or are you, you going ahead and hoping for the best and trying to kick any money into the economy that you can to help out stampedes just around the corner what's going yeah. on in your world are you encouraging your your employees to wear stampede gear are you putting that mural on the window that says yeehaw or will Yahoo? you fit into your stampede that's gear the biggest this question year? people go try the things on it this was stampede 15 uh, or 20 or 30 pounds uh, i should say covid 15 20 30 has been a thing so you, you might have to go out and do a little stampede shopping if uh that's a place that you were planning to go yeah in so if you're a company owner or just a you know wherever you're working let us know if Stampede will be a factor within your place of employment. Maybe it's hospitality, maybe not. Text line is 403-974-8255. Mornings with Sue and Andy and money continues to be the biggest source of stress for Canadians. And 55% of Albertans are losing sleep over it. With details on the 2021 Financial Stress Index by FP Canada, we are joined by Marie Kozlowski, Licensed Insolvency Trustee and Vice President of BDO. Good morning to you, Marie. Good morning, Sue and Andrew. Well, thanks for taking the time with us. We've we've talked about this a lot through the pandemic, uh, money issues. Uh, specifically, what are Albertans worried about when it comes to this survey? You know, um, money worries are a significant source of stress, as we know from the index. And, you know, 40% of Canadians say this is their major source of stress. And what happens is, you know, uh, when we look at the uh, financial stress and how it impacts individuals, over 55% of people say they're losing sleep. 30%, over 30% say it's leading to health issues, both both physical uh, and mental health issues. And of course, that then uh, flows down to marriage relationship problems, you know, work distractions and even substance abuse and mental health challenges. These are really concerning statistics, even alarming. And one thing I do take from all of this is that uh, the causes of financial stress, bill payments and expenses, and of course, accumulated debt, and how to relieve that. These are familiar triggers to financial stress. So individuals need to know that there are solutions. You can turn the page on that, on that, your debt problems. You can start a new chapter. And when individuals are aware of that, when they know what options are available, that stress is reduced. And, of course, then all of those, the things that it flows down to can be improved. Now, I know the poll also talks about, uh, you know, Canadians knowing that they can ease their financial stress if they save or pay down the debt. But sometimes it's not so easy to get to that point where you're able to. And and that can be difficult for a lot of people, can't it? It's incredibly difficult, Sue. I mean, I know that from personal experience because I take the phone calls from people who do call in or book, book consultations with me. Um, when people are emotionally and financially struggling, it's very, very difficult to reach out, to even do the basic research to know who you can reach out to. And I do know from personal experience that when somebody does that, when they take that 
for them is a huge step to pick up the phone or to connect um, on the internet. Um, they feel immediate relief. It's like a weight has been lifted off their shoulders. And when that happens, when the stress is relieved, then they can focus on what options may be available to them. And, you know, the consultation is always free. It's confidential. The sooner you reach out, the better, because more options will be available to you. And, you know, it's not any, it's not as dramatic as a consumer proposal or even a bankruptcy. It can be simply seeing your way through to budgeting, and we've talked about that previously, mm-hmm. or creating a debt repayment plan. And once you've got that plan in place and you're moving down that road, you can turn that page. You can start that new chapter. And, and you know, we all need to, you know, we've been through or coming to the end of a pandemic. Hopefully, we need to move forward. And uh, when you're stuck in, in a debt cycle, it's very, very difficult to break out. You just need to know what options are available to you. And there are options. Marie, I'm just wondering, before we let you go here, some people might say, well, you know, I'm, I'm in it financially, I'm having a real tough go. I can't afford to have a consultation. I can't afford to, to find professional help to help me get back on track. What do you say to that? Well, first of all, the consultations, a licensed insolvency trustee is a debt professional. Um, uh, all consultations, as far as I'm aware, certainly with BDO, they are free confidential consultations. Pick up the phone. I'll spend an hour on the phone with you reviewing your debt problems. I'll even spend more than that because people often come back and they have additional questions. They want to think their way further through their options. So it's not, um, you shouldn't be overwhelmed by the the fear that it's going to cost more money. It isn't. The The initial consultation is free. And that individual may not need to spend another penny on any kind of formal solution. It may just be as simple as budgeting, developing a budget, looking at a debt repayment plan. So people shouldn't be overwhelmed by that. Um, That's, I think, secondary. The first thing is pick up the phone, find out what those options are, so you can then come up with your own personal solution because everybody is an individual. There's no one size fits all. Everybody is different. And and, and from my own personal experience, that's what I've been used to doing. So people can contact me or they can call me at 403-777-9999 or uh, contact one eight five five video debt or go onto our website. There is a wealth of information there and that's debtsolutions.bdo.ca. Don't be full of shame. What's a shame oh, is not reaching out for help, right? So thank you so much, Marie. You're always a great a great chat and a, and a great reminder that there's help out there for us no matter what our situation is. And non-judgmental is. help. Yeah. Thank okay. you. That's the important thing. Thank Thanks. you so much. Take you have care. a great weekend. You have a great weekend too. Bye-bye. That is Marie Kozlowski, Licensed Insolvency Trustee and Vice President of BDO. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find Find your podcast and tune in to mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.